Welcome to Mystical Musings Podcast, where we connect to spirit and give you different perspectives on spiritual topics and engaging conversations with community leaders, healers, and teachers. Today's healer is Mavis Salazar. She is the child of the Chicano movement, born and raised in Denver, Colorado. She was born and reared by two really strong Chicano leaders, and she is a Kirmandera herself. And in 2009, she was adopted in ceremony by the 63 Mayan communities in the Mayan nation and in Guatemala. And she became the first Chicana ordained Mayan priest. She has her master's in indigenous and integrative health and is a registered therapist specializing in traditional and transitional therapy. She works with individuals, adolescents, and family therapy. She helps to release trauma and bring harmony into one's life. She maintains a private practice here in Denver, Colorado, and she owns her own business with Grandmother House of Herbs and Cures and is the executive director of Chiba U.S. nonprofit organization. Welcome, Mavis. Hey, hi. Nice to be here. (laughs) Yes, I can be lucky to say Mavis is someone that I've really gotten to know the last year and has become a friend. And one of the persons that I really find that we get the same information. So it's always nice when you see spirit giving the same kind of downloads, guidance, and people don't look at you like, what? (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. (laughs) We can talk for hours, and I just love doing ceremony with her. She's one of the people that I have a lot of respect for. Tell me a little bit about yourself so our listeners know who you are and what you do. Right. Okay. So I've been introduced to the world of healing Purnitismo ever since I was since I was a young girl. Sixteen, my uncle was one of the first Chicano sun dancers after the Wounded Knee battle. And in 1976, the Carter was able to sign the treaty with the Native people to be able to practice their own religion in their own way. And that was huge because before that it was illegal to practice sundance. It was illegal to have sweats and sage burning ceremonies. Everything was illegal. And in 76, it was legal. So my uncle was one of the warriors that fought in the Wounded Knee battle and was able to do the sundance and be part of representing the Chicano people in the sundance. So spirituality, native spirituality and healing practices have been going on forever in my in my journey so I really respected that he taught me about the herbs and he went to Mexico and learned about the herbs and then when I was younger I moved to Mexico with my first husband and my children were very ill and my mother-in-law best friend was curandera so she taught me what she knew about the children healing the kids with herbs and then came back to America and you know just continued my journey uh, once you're a healer, you're always a healer. No matter where you go, God finds you. I've been practicing in the West, Southwestern tradition with the curanderas here in New Mexico, Mexico, and the practices that they do. And a lot of it is Mexica. And I wasn't really, it didn't really gel with me, the Mexica way. I just, my dad always told me I wasn't Mexica. I was Olmeca, Goltec, you know, and I needed to honor that. And I didn't understand what he meant. So I went deeper into south, deeper south, where I met the Maya. And I kind of stayed with the Maya. And I've been with them since 2009, going to Guatemala every year, maybe twice to three times a year. I had a herbal school down there for four years. And I just 
It's still in my body. It's still my DNA. I still smell the jungle. It's just amazing what spirit leads you to in your journey. So that's a little bit of my journey. I don't know if I answered no, the question. I, no, I love that. <laughs> I just actually learned some stuff about you. That's amazing. Yeah. So for our listeners, what is a Kirmandera? Some of them don't understand that mm-hmm. term when we use it if they're outside of the community. The Kirmandera is basic person that heals. That's all a Kirmandera is, is to heal. It's everybody else puts too much stuff into it. So that's basically all it is, is a person that heals with natural remedy. And we have, back in the day, it was the spiritualist, it was the massage therapist, it was the psychotherapist, and it was the spiritualist and the master of all. That's what a curandera is, a herbalist. Oh, yeah, I think I did say herbalist. Each person has their own practice of how they, what they work in. You're very lucky to find masters of all. I was taught by masters of all when I lived in Mexico. But me, myself, personally, the only thing I don't do, I'm not a sobadora. I don't massage people. <laughs> but I do do energy work. And nowadays we have, because of there's so much out there, so much more and we're so connected to the world that we can be acupuncturist we can be healing with the with the energy we can be chinese medicine we can be almost anything that the world has to offer i also do tibetan healing sound healing medicine so don't limit ourselves to what was in the past because right now we have so much more in our future and in it now and that's what a kurandera is, is a person who takes the time out to be able to offer their services to the community. Yeah, I love that. I love that rendition of how you just said that. And I'm totally aligned with you that it doesn't have to be one set way. That is a, a, an eclectic beauty of all the different healing modalities that you can work with and bring in for your own different medicine. And we all carry our own medicine. And I love that how you express that, that it is okay to bring in those other people pieces they just enhance your medicine right mm-hmm. <laughs> and i you're Definitely. yeah me and you are really strong on sound and vibration and frequency and that was one of the reasons that we couldn't connect it so well is because we see that energy in the body and how to work with it and how to move with it and people she's a great healer listen <laughs> she's one of the few people I, i'm very particular about who would do energy work on me and I, you're definitely one that I would allow that for. You were talking about stepping into the Mayan way and that you're a Mayan priest. Let's talk a little bit about more of that and how, what was the training and all that like? Well, you know, I was the first that stepped in this way and kind of just everything always happens by coincidence, but it opened the path for many people to come through it. So being the first, it, my way was extremely traditional. I had to go to the mountains in, in Guatemala, go to the 13 sacred sites in Guatemala to be able to do a ceremony and prayer and rituals within the, the Guatemalan jungles in different places to be able to be accepted, not only accepted by the, the Maya people, but also by the Maya inter- energies, deities that I work with. Because, you know, you're, you're opening up the, the portals of very ancient ways and you need to be accepted to that. So when I went down there, that's why I opened up the school down there, the herbal school, is it forced me to, and it gave me the funds to be able to go down there multiple times in one year to be not only work with the herbs and work with the people, but also learn 
about the, my uh, spirituality and traditions. In my way, my path was very gloomy. <laughs> it was very traditional. I mean, in the jungle, in the rain, during hurricanes, whatnot, being able to sit in the mountains with the other Mayan priests and do the traditional prayers and whatnot was amazing to be able to have that opportunity. Nowadays, it's much simpler where people take a class, I think. They just, I don't know how it's done nowadays here in, in Denver. My way was very traditional, very grueling, and very adventurous and exciting. And it helped me with my trauma because I was going through a very bad, very bad marriage at that time. And I had a lot of PTSD and a lot of trauma. And it really gave me the guts to stand up to my husband and say, no mas, no mas. I can't deal with this. I, I can't deal with this. He was trying to kill me. So, you know, I was <laughs> I was trying to get away from that, so I moved on to Guatemala, and where it was really dangerous and crazy. <laughs> but it, it gave me the guts to really stand up for myself and say, no more, uh, you have no power over me, and really live a more healthy life. So it taught you how to step into your own power and your own truth and take that back from you. And when yeah. we talk about tradition, people... I'm talking like you can't have notebooks, you can't do any of that. You are literally fasting for days. You're in ceremony the whole time. And it this is not for the weak hearted. And so when you hear her like the true hardcore like training, she did it. And it's not like these little mini hikes to some of these sacred sites. <laughs> no. They're they're yeah. intense. They're um they push your mind, your body, and your soul in such a deep way that people don't understand unless they even try to do something like that, right? I can tell um, you a story. <laughs> I would love it. Yeah, share a story. So this one that we did was Guatemala has a lot of hurricanes. And so we were going to do a ceremony, and it was up in the mountains. And uh, when I say the mountains, mountains are like this. <laughs> so we had to walk. They were like, it's only four mountains over. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. So we crossed over the little creek and then went to one mountain, two mountains, three mountains. We're in the fourth mountain and the hurricane started. Just like, okay, what do we say? And it was like midnight. Of course, everything's done at night. And so we had to stay until two o'clock in the morning to do our ceremony, and which we did. So each person, each group of people went their own little they sat in their own little spot, and I was sat by myself, and they placed me right underneath the seba tree. The seba tree is the tree of life, is the tree of connection of the underworld, middle world, and upper world. So that's where I was placed, and because they knew I had a connection with the seba tree. The seba tree always talks. So I sat down in the seba tree, and it's huge. It's like three stories high, and in the middle, in the bottom of the, the trunk, is like a, a cave, so it's kind of the protection. But I was all alone, and all I had was a garbage bag over my body <laughs> for protection from the rain. And it rained and rained and rained and rained. So finally, around two o'clock, there was a break, and we we're like, "Okay, let's 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 leave before it starts again." We all got up, started to walk, but the mud on the path started to slide down. And when I say it slides down, you're talking about maybe a cliff that's five stories high wow. you know so then i was walking down with my two little sticks because i'm like okay i'm from Denver. i can ski down this mountain if I have to. 
right? So I'm like walking down with these two little sticks, and then each man on each side, one with a little boy, one with a man, and they both drop the sticks. Trust us. Me, trusting men. Ha! You know, that's the worst. No, I can't do that. No. So I was holding on to my sticks, and then finally I was just like, okay, I have trust. So I dropped my sticks, watched them go down the hill, I grabbed these people's hands, and we all just kind of hugged the mountain going down, holding each other's hands. It was tremendously dangerous, you know, but we did it all together. And then when we reached the creek, the creek was not a creek anymore, but a rushing river. Oh. And I was just like, okay. And they all wanted to jump over, and before that, the children told me the story how the river always takes children. They have to be careful. We had a little boy with us. And I said, no, we have to wait until the river goes down. And I don't speak their language. They don't speak my language. So it's all sign language. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to wait. And we prayed and prayed and prayed, you know, with the cigar. And the, the river s- slowed down, slowed down. And it kind of went back to its creek. So we were able to jump over the river. And then all of a sudden, as soon as we jumped, boom, the rain started coming down again. And the river, the creek became a river again. But we were able to get back safely. We were able to get back safely after that because we had to only cross two more adventures before we were able to get to the hut. That's what I'm talking about. When she did traditional, that's traditional people. <laughs> you, <know? Fun>. right? <laughs> you make my story of my sit seem like a baby's walk. <laughs> I had microbursts coming down on me on my hochikan. I was just, okay, just wrapped in my little tarp, you know, just praying. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you but, you, but you learn, you grow through that. Like, when things and perseverance comes towards you in life, you remember those sits and you remember that journey and you're like, if I can do that, I can do anything, right? That's true. <laughs> yeah, because I was able to come home and be challenged. Yeah. And because every adventure that I'd go on, I'd come home and, and I'd be challenged and I'm like, what's going on here? And, and it took that much for me to be able to move my uh, endeavor. So it, it took a lot to be able to move my trauma. And I guess I was determined to move it because I did it. Sometimes it takes a lot to be able to move what you're stuck in. You know, mm-hmm. it's it, we call it the snake pit. And you're all surrounded by all these snakes and everything. It's a dark city of snakes. So what does it take to get you out of that dark pit? And and sometimes it takes a lot. Sometimes it takes a little. It all depends on the person. Oh, yeah. And that's what I love about what your medicine does. You're about empowering others in the indigenous ways. And that's really important. I think it's really important that our community understand it is about community. It's about connection. It's about not navigating this world alone, right? Right. And I've been able to be with you in um, several community events now. And I love how you bring that shadow piece in, but in a really heartfelt way. And um, I don't see a lot of people being able to navigate that easily like you do. So I'm just <laughs> saying that's that's a great way. And hearing your stories, I see why empowering others is really important. Why do you think it's important for people to learn empowerment to navigate their spiritual journey here? 
don't. Well, empowerment is really important for anybody just to get up in the morning and start their day. You know, and the challenges are always different. I am facing other challenges right now, just health-wise, and sometimes it's it's hard to navigate that morning or that day. But I have to say, okay, I can get up, I can do this. So when people try to navigate their own spirituality, what is that? It's connecting back with their spirit. They're they're basically we're born with a nawal. That's this this you know the nawal is the person that with the ego with, with that understands the emotions and feelings and whatnot. And so we have the nawal with that. But then we also have our soul. That our soul is us, our heavenly self, us. But then the nawal we disconnect somewhere somehow somewhere in America, especially in the Western world. We don't believe in that. We think it's like gibberish. It, there's a disconnect. So when you're trying to empower yourself, you want to get back to that hold or that spirit or soul, that individual that is up in the sky. We want to connect with that to be able to say, this is who we really are. And sometimes we need to empower ourselves to be able to do that because we face daily challenges in this world, in this world, saying, I gotta wake up, I gotta pay bills, I gotta take care of my kids, I got all these challenges that I'm dealing with. How am I supposed to connect with them if I can't even deal with this right now? Mm-hmm. Right? And a lot of times you get to depression because that's where the true challenges are, is our emotions and our fake ideas that we have in our brain of why we can't do things. So when we empower ourselves to be able to say, I can do this, I can do this, but not only that, I have to do this. I think that's when we realize how strong we are is when we have to do things and are challenged because we don't feel we can have empowerment. When we're able to finally balance out our whole life, that's when we're able to breathe you can say we can connect with our spirit because everybody wants to because everybody feels they're disconnected right oh yeah they you know they feel disconnected but they don't know why so a lot of times they go to alcoholism drugs whatever just to have that escape and then they feel lonely inside and then they're like oh i need to connect with my spiritual self that's when they start searching but it take it took them a journey to be able to just get to that point to say i need to get into it with my true self mm-hmm. unfortunately in the western society they have to do this whole journey in the maya tradition you're connected right away when you're born you get your nirvanas you get your energies read to you so you get a blueprint of your life and then you find out who you are and that makes your life a little bit easier because you're never disconnected because when you do become disconnected you get balanced with the ceremonies and whatnot, and it helps you along the way. Unfortunately, in Western society, we don't have mm-hmm. so it, the journey is long, but necessary. Yeah, so that's why impairment is so important because you have to go through a journey to be able to finally say, "I need connection with myself." And you you mentioned ceremony and rituals, and I'm huge on ceremony and rituals. Mm-hmm. I I feel it is the the best gateway to connecting us to our higher source and to source energy itself. Why do you feel ceremony and ritual is important too? Because you're connected with the, like how you said, the higher self. You're you're connected with ceremony and ritual doesn't have to be complicated. Sometimes when I get challenged, all I do is light a candle. That's my ceremony, that's my ritual. Every kameh, that's with the ancestors, I light candles. To all of my ancestors to photograph so I can illuminate some light in their path and in my path. Ancestors give me a little bit of understanding of what's happening in life because it's going crazy. It's 
as simple as just a breath of prayer, meditating. I need to connect within myself. Or it can be as complicated as getting, you know, the fire rituals, getting all of the agendas together, making sure it's a date and time and having so many people there to celebrate with you. It's so important just to be able to recognize the energies above, below, in and out, and even in yourself to make sure that you are recognizing what is there. You know, I think we've gotten a disconnect that everyone thinks they have to go outside themselves to find this information or this connection to spirit. And it's all within us. It's within our DNA. It's literally written in DNA, people. It is. And it's part of us. A lot of us, especially the Mayan traditions, are starseed people. You know, they carry that that higher vibration and frequency and information of wisdom. And we always think we have to go to a teacher to, yes, you can learn that. Teachers are always a guidance and giving us tools and information and how to apply them. But no matter what, you carry that information inside. You're the one who applies it into your life. You're the one who walks through it. You're the one who does, who dictates and how it's gonna how it's gonna be spread out. And mm-hmm. that's where we have to take our own power back, right? We have to take and know that we have this, and then to honor that within ourselves. Right? I can only agree with that. So many people right now, because they're not empowered, and because they're searching and they're on a journey, that they find teachers, false gods, basically, to take their own, take their power away from them. Mm-hmm. And it's an abusive situation. It's a narcissistic situation. You know, when you yeah. go into these teachers that are around, unfortunately, they disempower you. They make you feel like poop. They make you feel like you're not worthy without them. And they're so masterful at it that you find yourself following these people forever when you're only their guides. They're supposed to be a guide to help you get to where you need to go. Exactly. But then they, they're, you are their income, so you're basically your battery source that they need to survive. Mm-hmm. So they become very uh, controlling, very negative, and it's, it's an abusive relationship, and you don't even know it. You're in this toxic relationship with your teacher that you love and hate at the same time, <laughs> and you just don't know where to put all this information because you feel so alone without them. And then one of the things I always tell people, you know, my clients or students or anyone, I'm human. I'm human in a human experience. I am just the messenger, nothing more. That's it. (laughs) And we're here to support each other. We're here to walk on the journey. And if you ever work with a teacher that's not working on themselves, run. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Or that they know it all. Yeah, like run. And And spirit doesn't only give us one path. Even like with your medicine, there's this eclectic, beautiful kaleidoscope of all these different energy and modalities that are, are being displayed with your medicine. And that's the same when you're working with anybody. It doesn't have to be a set path. If you're drawn to something, then that's what you go towards. Listen to right. your heart. Your spirit will guide you. That's what I always say. What do you think is the biggest misconception around your work? Oh, people think I'm a, the bad term witch, you know, because they're like, oh, you're a witch, you're a witch. I'm like, you're evil, you're evil. And that is the biggest misconception that we have because I don't even understand what that means. That they want me to be an evil person. They want me to worship the devil. They want me to, you know, all this other stuff. And I'm like, you have no, I don't do spell casting. I just don't even know what that is. Most of the time people, they put spells on themselves. 
versus other people putting spells on them. People put bad thoughts on people. You know, they don't. Oh, yeah. So that's one of the misconceptions, the biggest one. The other one is that we have to give our services for free. That's also very big. You're not a true curandera unless you give your services for free. And I'm like, well, you know, I got my education. I have a master's degree, working on my doctor's degree. I've went through the jungle. I paid for all of this stuff. Why should I give my service for free when paid for doctors, don't you? Well, I'm a doctor. It's a perspective for the energy exchange is what it is, right? Exactly. Yeah, it is. And there's a value in what you bring to the table with your messages and with the energy. And people don't understand. Mm -hmm. It can be draining. Yes, you know how to be that hollow bone, but the things that (laughs) you carry and have to navigate through can be really intense we see we're working on different dimensions we're just not working on this physical plane we're working on energy dimensions and energy other beings that we have to navigate right and people don't understand how that can how difficult that is (laughs) well you know in in the like it takes a lot of time and money to hollow that bone out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you years. You don't become a hollow bone. <laughs> no, it takes years to navigate that. And then yeah. to even have that strength and that courage to come against some of the things that we come against. Uh, because some of these lower energies, they don't just come after us. They'll come right. after our whole family, after mm-hmm. people that we love to try to intimidate, to try to navigate us away from helping this person. And people don't realize that that takes a lot of energy that we have to put out there for protection and empowerment, all that stuff. And our cars. They yeah. love attacking our cars. I know. <laughs> like, I can't get there, but I can get to her car. Black tire. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. when you mentioned witch, if you go to the true meaning of witch, like the, the pagan druid and all that, it is literally being connected to the earth. Yeah. Right? Yep. It is literally someone that works with the earth and that medicine. So when someone calls me a witch, I always say, thank you. Well, and that thing is, I was brought up being the, my mom and everybody would call me the devil's child and I was a witch. And, and I didn't even understand what that meant. I was like, I don't get it. Get it yeah. I went into a coven because I didn't know what the heck anybody, everybody kept accusing me to be. And then when I went into the cabin, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> but because it was just working with the earth medicines. But yeah. the, the part where they said I was evil and the devil's child and you know, all that and all this. And I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying because I love earth and I love nature. And how can that be evil? No, it's not. And so, I always tell people, like, know the whole story before you, you, you put those words onto people. You know my, I mean? my sister was like, one day she's Christian. She was like, I don't see how people can be a witch and how they can worship the devil and blah, 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 blah. And I go, wait a second. The devil is a Christian god. Witches don't even believe in the devil. Mm-mm. She got soul matches from that. <laughs> Right, when you give them facts. When I sit there and tell people, like, around, you know, Christmas, Easter, those are all based off pagan holidays, people. (laughs) Who has been the most influential person in your life that kind of helped navigate this medicine journey for you? My uncle. My uncle, Francisco Garcia. Um, He, like he said to me, he never did anything with an agenda of outside of political, being battle of the Whitney, being the person that he was in the Chicano movement, and really, really insisting that we go to sundown church and to the um, witness this, the peyotes and ceremonies, and really, really, really tell us that we needed to be more 
indigenous and don't forget that side of us because uh, in our lineage we're Spanish and Spanish and my mom she's very insistent in that but my dad he was from Mexico and he's so you know you can't forget all the sides that you have forget who you are and my uncle he was so insistent that we learned this that I I guess it, I was the one that does no that's <laughs> I'm, awesome yeah that you need I'm to that guidance. Yeah, because I'm the only one that practices this tradition. Yeah, my daughter sometimes, she's still living life, but she's very heartfelt with the tradition, and she teaches her kids. As long as we, my uncle planted the seed, and as long as one or two people collect. Yeah, absolutely, because it's, like you said, it's planting that seed. It's, mm-hmm. it's like spreading that. And then I always find that our kids express it differently they all do their own little expression at least with mine they do people are like well aren't you don't you want them completely involved and i'm like their soul and their spirit will guide them to exactly where they need to be their journey is not going to look the same as mine but as long as i have those seeds planted their garden's going to be what it's going to be and i'm i'm waiting and excited to see what is going to grow there right <laughs> And it's you're lucky, exciting. I, you know, I feel like you're lucky you had that uh, uncle's guidance. I was always, I don't feel like, I don't want to say denied it. It wasn't until like my grandma's deathbed, literally on her deathbed, oh, wow. I was on, on the side of her bed and she goes, Trina, do you, do you want to know why you're so different? And I said, ah, oh, sure, grandma, what? And she goes, your great, great grandma was Native American. And I was like, what? I go, why didn't everyone ever talk about it? She goes, we just didn't. And I was just like, so then I had to dive into our history and found out we were Shoshone and Yaki and all these beautiful traditional tribes, but we didn't talk about it. We didn't share it. And it totally solidified why I felt the way I did whenever I got around Native ceremony. The first time I heard a drum, how I wanted to cry that I felt like I was home. You know yeah. what I mean? And so it's learning how to find, you know, people out in the community that I had to find teachers, elders, things like that to connect to, to learn my own version of that um, medicine for myself. And what did that look like? Right. With working, we, we've talked a little bit about self-care and kind of navigating, getting up in the morning. What is your favorite self-care practice that you do for yourself? You know, I haven't had self-care in a long time. I'm my pedicure, medicure. You know, I'm learning how to be more gentle with myself. You know, the female touch. I So many years I've always had to take care of somebody and take care of children and all of that stuff that I've always put myself last. So I love it when my husband cooks dinner for me to eat. You know, those are the the things that I enjoy doing, just a regular old-fashioned bath. That's mm-hmm. always nice with just Epsom salt and lavender scents. And I really wanted to do a class just on cleansing bath and how you can do a bath to help you not only detox your body. Training people or teaching people or giving people ideas of how they can better treat themselves very simply. So what can I do now with what I have now? Now, yeah, what resources and simple yeah. things can I start stepping in to start building that? that totally. Right. Um, what are three spiritual things you would recommend to our listeners? If they're just kind of curious, you know, have some curiosity or things that that are simple but can be profound working with. Going out in nature and listening. That's the way I learned mostly was being in nature and a crystal or a rock or whatever and just listening 
So, you know, when you start listening and you start being one with nature, it's just an amazing place to be. So many people need to find a guide, though, to tell them that. Well, yeah, and that's where you look at for, you know, that's where you look for the teachers. Yeah. And that's where you learn that they, if, for them to guide you and give you that wisdom and then teaches you how to apply it in your life but doesn't take that power away from you about applying it, that it's not them that's doing it for you, that you are doing it for yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Mavis, I want to thank you for coming today. I know you're super busy and everything, and I appreciate you being here. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this podcast with guest speaker Mavis Salazar, Mayan priest. You can connect with me on my website at www.alteredhaven.com and Mavis at theuniverseoftruth.com and or through the email link in the bio. Become our friends on social media. And don't forget, I have some amazing metaphysical products and services available on my web store. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can support us with a coffee or Venmo ofrenda. This allows us to continue to roll out these podcasts and give you this information. And just a reminder, the best teachers are those who show you where to look, but don't tell you what to see. Namaste, my little sparks of joy, and have an amazing spring.